Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. Today is Wednesday, January 9th, 2019. And we have a saint of the day that's not quite as obscure as what I normally have. And the saint of the day is St. Adrian. And uh, St. Adrian was an abbot in uh, what later became St. Augustine's Monastery in England. What's interesting about him is that he refused the job of Archbishop of Canterbury when it was offered to him, and later accompanied the man that would take that position, and that man appointed him as abbot. So it's uh, it's it took a lot of humility to be able to do that, I'm sure. And I've got Thaddeus with me here, and he's nodding his head, so he's trying to figure out which microphone's going to work for him today. Morning, Gene. How you doing? Fine, thank you. How are you today? Getting better, one day at a time, getting over the uh, the sinus uh, goop and glop. So to our listeners, if you hear a croak every now and then, it's the frogs in our throat that are, uh, both of us are... Ribbit. Ribbit, ribbiting a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. So, and so how was your New Year's? My New Year's has been fantastic because my mother and father are in town, and my sister was in town until uh, last Sunday. So they're staying with us. They always come at this time of year, and... It's just really, really wonderful. And the weather here is a little bit warmer than in Denver? A little bit, a little bit for the most part, yeah. So they really like that. That's good. Yes, sir. There's so much going on, and uh, I was, you and I were talking a little bit before we went on the air that uh, this is the time of New Year's resolutions. And uh, so Indeed. Uh, I, there was a book that was given here at St. Mary's to permanent parishioners, and I believe over at St. Anthony's, also called The yes, Biggest Lie in the History of Christianity. The Biggest Lie in the History of Christianity, yes. And that, that lie, according to uh, our good friend from Dynamic Catholic. Matthew Kelly, yes, Matthew sir. He's Kelly. the author, yes. He's the author, and he said, basically, that— Are you picking big, up? I'm doing my best uh, Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson right that's now. That's right, but you didn't bring me my cup of coffee. <laughs> Sorry, sir. But anyway, what what Matthew Kelly seemed to indicate was that uh, the biggest lie in the history of Christianity is that you its holiness is not for everybody. That not everybody is called to be holy. That's the way, the message I got out of the book. And uh, Matthew Kelly counteracts that with the idea that. Uh, you can be holy if you take it one step at a time. And that if if uh, you have a New Year's resolution, for example, to increase your holiness during the coming year, that if you do something just as simple as uh, doing a kindness to somebody that's very unkind to you, uh, saying I love you to somebody that needs to hear I love you, treating your spouse kindly, even when there's maybe something that's not going on quite right between the two of you, that that is an act of holiness in itself, and that if you just accept that, even if it's only one a day to begin with, that you're on the path to holiness when you do that. Yeah, and I think being intentional about it too, you know, you're uh, you're doing those things 
with the intention in mind of being Christ to the other person, of trying to live in a Christ-like way, and you're, you're making those sacrifices and putting them at the foot of the cross with our Lord and doing it with that intention, I think that's, that's important, too. And I, and I think the other side of that is that in our culture, uh, we still, even Christians, Catholic Christians, seem to think more that love is an emotion rather than love is a, a determination of the will. That's right. It's an act of the will. That's an right. act of the will, and that, that it doesn't mean that you have to feel like you want to be kind to that right. person or to right. smile at that person right. or whatever, but you make an act of the will to do it. Right. So it's, you, and it's and, living, and, uh, it's, it's dying to self, uh, doing, doing less for yourself and for, for the other person, doing what's good for the other person. Right. So it's, it's really, uh, it's, you can be disappointed that the emotions don't follow the actions, but, uh, know that, uh, that's not necessarily going to happen. And mm-hmm. I, as Mother Teresa is a, an example of that, that she had, what, 40 years where she had just extreme dryness and didn't even know whether she was doing God's will, except that she, she was doing the last thing that God told him to do, told her to do, pardon me. Yeah, or she, um, she knew she was doing God's will, but she didn't feel always that yeah. she was doing God's will, right? She didn't feel like it. And uh, the gospel for this coming, not for this coming Sunday, but for a week from Sunday, is the one of the miracle of the uh, uh, the water into wine, mm-hmm. the wedding feast of Cana. And mm-hmm. there we have the last words that are recorded that Mary ever spoke uh, in the gospels, and that is she told, tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. And sometimes that can be very difficult to do. Right. And I think that that's a great uh, pitch for... Um, uh, taking up the rosary, praying the rosary, um, you know, and meditating on the mysteries and, you know, putting yourself in those scenes, um, yes. being, being there at the foot of the cross with our lady, um, being there at the wedding at Cana, if you're, when you're praying the luminous mysteries, right. And really, really meditating on what, what's God trying to reveal to me about how to, live out a more holy life by meditating on his life on earth and, and yeah. going through with, with his mother. And so it's, it's difficult you know, because you don't always want to do that. No. I mean, no. <laughs> if I did everything, if I only did the things I wanted to do, there wouldn't be much that I did. Right. And or, I can I say for myself, um, you know, praying the rosary is, it's like spiritual weightlifting. It's, it's, you know, making yourself have to go to the gym and, lift weights oh, or train. Now, let's not get personal. Here. You're so, starting to meddle. Sorry. <clears throat> so no. it's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not recommending that as someone who uh, finds that devotion something very, very easy. And uh, one of the people that, that uh, the person that we, uh, I will have the pre-recorded interview with after the break is Mark Mastriani. Yes, sir. Who uh, has appeared numerous times on Morning Air. Uh, and he's on Tech Tuesdays, and when I approached him about being my guest, uh, he said yes, which, so it's, you know, it's, he's a lot going on, and he, uh, he's currently at the Consumer Electronics Show in, in Las Vegas, and we were, we, our talk was about some of the things to keep yourself safe while you're online, and uh, it was a it's a it was a very good conversation. I think I hope think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about a lot of things there, and 
Uh, in some of the time that we got before the break, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the things that you can use technology. You can use your phone, your tablet, your computer that will help you in your Catholic faith. And I have to think about some of the applications that are there, that, that those of you uh, who are looking for daily meditations, uh, you've got uh, Word Among Us, Magnificat have online versions, uh, Presentation Ministries has another one. Uh, if you, and if you do a search on Presentation Ministries, you'll see that. You can actually download the whole uh, a magazine for that particular period in a format that you can use in something like uh, anything that uses an EPUB type mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, we've also got uh, – there are a couple of good ones that I use that, that are a good one is from divinemercy.life, uh, and that is a daily meditation from uh, St. Faustina's Diary. And so that one is there. Then there, very cool. There is another. If you go on there, there's also you can go for the uh, a, a uh, daily uh, meditation on the gospel, and you and you can either go online and get those, or if you, you just go online for a while and think you like those, you can actually have them emailed to you on a daily basis. So uh, okay, so that those those are available, and I find all of those very helpful. Okay, I know that uh, I love Junior, big uh, saint of the day guy. Yes. I really like Aleteas, Aletea.org's saint of the day. They do a nice job of uh, recounting the saint's life, giving you a meditation for that saint and a, a prayer to keep in mind for the day. That's A-L-E-T-E-I-A.org. Okay. And then go to the saint of the day there. All right. There are a couple other things that, that I think uh, bear talking about. That Do we mention Laudate? Laudate, that's, that's where we're getting. Okay, okay. There, Laudate, and I think uh, Thaddeus was saying he's used this for a number of years, has the daily readings, and I don't remember what all else they have. They have a oh, boy. bunch of prayers and a lot of other things that are there. The thing about Laudate is that uh, it, it is totally online and that uh, if you have a phone or a tablet and you have limited uh, online time with that, you may with not— With, like, data, you mean? Yeah, you, it, all the data comes down every time you use it. So if you've got limited, that might not be the best one. Uh, you can purchase an app that's called iMissile, which uh, has the daily readings, has lots of prayers, and uh, a, a scripture of the day. There, that's I think that's like five dollars for Android or uh, iOS, Apple. Okay, and uh, so that's available, uh, which is a good application also. Uh, for those of you that want to get into Bible study, uh, there are a couple of options there. Uh, Verbum is the if the, some of you may have your Protestant friends may talk about Logos, which is the Protestant version of that. Verbum is a Catholic version. And there is a free... Or is it wereboom? Depends upon where you learned your Latin. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And anyway, it's V-E-R-B-U-M. If you're a good Catholic, it's verbum. Yeah. Correct? Your Italian Italian Latin is verbum. If you're a German, it's wereboom. Wereboom. So... uh, it's available. There is a free version of that, which has limited things that are there. But, but for example, there is a free book of the month, and this month it is a it's uh, what do they call it? A compendium 
or something of St. Thomas, I believe it's St. Thomas Aquinas. That's the free book of the month. That you excellent, get. excellent. So that's there. Uh, if you get the paid version, it gets expensive pretty, pretty fast. Uh, I think the opening number on that's uh, in excess of $100. And for a year or uh, this is per for the thing for period. And then it's it can and I've seen options up beyond a thousand dollars on that. Wow. So but it's there. So if you're a scripture scholar, maybe you scripture scholar, it's there and it's Catholic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've used a non non Catholic one for a number of years, uh, which on the uh, and I think we've talked about this once before. It's uh, my sword on the uh, PC. Isword for Mac and I and Apple products, and Esword for Android products, and uh, you can, you, you, it's all there except for the the books that the Protestants don't recognize. So, and you've got you've got a thesaurus, uh, not a thesaurus, uh, Strong's Concordance, and you've got I've got like ten or fifteen different versions of the Bible that I can. Do because one of the things I like to do is do a compare. If I don't understand uh, a, a verse, and even if I look at the uh, concordance, I sometimes like to do a compare between the various versions, of, uh, translations of the Bible. Okay. And so that's there, and uh, there's a lot of resources in this there day and age. Of, there really are, and and uh, the uh, Laudate I believe also has. We've talked about Laudate. It also has the um, Brief, uh, briefly, uh, the first, divine uh, office, yeah, the divine office, and that is in another application. I briefly with the same thing. People from iMissile, which mm -hmm. downloads it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, and I was going to mention um, if you've heard of it, the Institute of Catholic Culture. You can search their app on your app store, Google, um, Android or iOS. Wealth of free talks from. Scripture study to Catholic Church history to Mariology, theology, Catholic uh, philosophy, just so many things there from um, experts across the Catholic world. Very, very useful. Search for that Institute of Catholic Culture. The other one is if you're in a, a parish that offers formed. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It, it's an excellent opportunity to get things that are there get a code from your parish and you can have access to that get to that uh, the other thing uh, uh, the those folks that have a focus group at their university like here at AM focus fellowship of Catholic University students they just had their seek conference all of those talks are available online now at YouTube and uh, I understand they are excellent talks uh, that apply to people older than college age as well. <laughs> you find that funny. Those Some of us are young at heart, even if they're old in body, that is. Yes, I know that's true. I know that's true of you, for sure. So what else? We've got a couple of minutes here. What do we need to... What have we got going on that we need to talk about beyond what I've said? Well, I wanted to quickly uh, just announce that Spaghetti Dinner, famous Spaghetti Dinner at St. Anthony's coming up on February 10th, Sunday, February 10th. So put that down on your calendars. Get over there, get you some uh, 
Get you some authentic spaghetti. Ita- authentic Italian spaghetti. And I would be remiss if I did not remind people that at the Christ the Good Shepherd Chapel, February 7th through the 9th is the Healing the Whole Person Retreat um, oh. given by the John Paul II Healing Center. You can go to jpihealingcenter.org, register there, get more information. And they're also having a repeat of what was done here at St. Mary's back in November, I believe it was. The as Day of well. Equipping on Friday, of equipping. February 8th. Yes, you can also register for that. Mm-hmm. Those are go- The Day of Equipping was just absolutely excellent, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the, the other one. Uh, Anything else in your neck of the woods? Uh, no, uh, my neck of the woods is, is pretty calm right now. And uh, pray... Also for Red Sea Radio in, in your prayer time so that we can do all the things that God is asking us to do. And I think uh, Thaddeus is pushing some buttons here, and we're just about ready to go to a break. And again, Mark Mastriani will be my guest after the break. Okay, we ready, Thaddeus? I think we're going to go ahead and go, Gene. Okay. It's been fun this morning, as usual. Yes, it has been. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I have with me now a voice that many of you have probably heard on Morning Air, uh, Mark Mastriani, uh, and he's coming to us from Indianapolis, and we are recording this ahead of time because of Mark's schedule. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Gene. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. As I was telling you a little bit earlier, we think it's cold down here today when we're recording this because it got down to 37 for a low, and I'm sure there in Indianapolis, uh, that's almost wonderful weather, isn't it, this time of year? That's the normal. That's the normal this time of year here in Indy. Yeah. Okay. And you just recently moved, right? We talked a couple of days ago, and you were telling me that you just recently moved in Indianapolis. And, yeah, that gets to a little bit of my story. Uh, my family and I, you know, we spent about 19 years in the Chicago metro area. And then in uh, a chunk of 2017 and a good chunk of 2018, we made our way to Indiana by way of Colorado. <laughs> I had an opportunity wow. to, to, I had an opportunity to work at the Augustine Institute on the forum team from September, 2017 to September of 2018 it was a great experience, although a couple of my family members had a little bit of altitude sickness being there in the in the high desert. <laughs> yes. But it was a great experience to be a part of a Catholic apostolate there in the mountains. Now, Mark, I ask you to come on to talk to us about uh, what people would want to do through this new year when they, they're making resolutions, how they're going to uh, use their technology, and specifically their PCs and phones and tablets, and can you tell us a little bit about your background? What qualifies you for this, and what qualified you to be that expert for Morning Air for a number of years? Sure, Gene. Um, I would say that uh, I've been a passionate Catholic and a passionate techie for my entire adult life. 
Uh, got into engineering right out of undergraduate uh, from the University of Notre Dame. Uh, went right into engineering and product development in uh, consumer electronics, defense, medical devices uh, for most of my career. Worked my way up through the ranks doing uh, product development, program management, which just means managing a bunch of different technology projects simultaneously. But then in 2008, uh, in a very strong call from the Holy Spirit, I felt like I could use these talents and skills to bring about uh, technology here in our Catholic faith in a special and unique way. And that's when uh, God on the Go was born. God on the Go was a product and a company (laughs) wrapped around some technology to teach the Catholic faith from the perspective of our Bible using software on mobile devices. So in 2008, uh, apps were just uh, just infants. <laughs> they were brand new ideas uh, that you could put small software programs onto smartphones that people would be regularly carrying around with them. By 2012, our apps were uh, mature and we were selling our God on the Go uh, Bible software apps to Catholic and parochial schools across the country. And that would, that's what brought me to the folks at Morning Air. I um, made Relevant Radio aware of this product that I was working on, that it had a a technology and a Catholic focus to it, which made, you know, opportunity available to get into that Morning Air Tech Tuesday time slot on a regular basis for a good chunk of the last eight years. And it's been a really great way for not only uh, for me to keep my, my eyes tuned to what's happening in technology uh, in the headlines, but also, you know, sort of on the back page <laughs> of, of newspapers and magazines, what's happening in technology and how that's related to, to faith and prudence and, and trust in God. Uh, I say that from all of those experiences, you know, technology, I just see it like a tool, like a hammer that's sitting on your table. Uh, the hammer is neither good nor bad. The hammer is a tool for use, and how it's used, it's really dependent on the person who lifts the hammer. Uh, their intent and their goals and their, their, their mission uh, really does determine how that technology, uh, how that tool is going to be used. That's really how I see technology. I don't see it inherently good or inherently bad. I see everything through the lens of technology as a tool, but we do need to use prudence, right? The gift of the Holy Spirit that we've been given at baptism and confirmed at confirmation is a very important tool that we should use when approaching technology. We should look at it for what it is. It's a powerful tool that can accomplish a variety of tasks that we just simply couldn't even do uh, 20, 30 years ago. Yes. However, uh, it also does have risks associated to it. So, yes. you know, that's that's uh, sort of the, the theme I hope we can uh, come back to throughout our discussion today, Gene, is that sure. it's, now, it's here for us to use, but uh, to use with prudence. Now, that, excuse me, that uh, idea that it's a tool is one, particularly uh, techies seem to have more problem understanding that Uh, than maybe people who are using the technology in that it's all fun and games uh, to the techie. 
whereas a business uses technology to grow its business. And, and uh, like what you did with God on the Go, you use technology to grow somebody's knowledge of God and the Catholic faith. And it wasn't done—I mean, yes, it did provide some uh, revenue stream from, for you, but it wasn't predominantly that that was your sole purpose in life. So true. Yeah. Actually, I was born from the idea that I wasn't nearly as close to God's holy word, God's um, presence uh, presence there in, in the Holy Gospels, as I could have been at that time in my life and in my faith journey. So it, it, in great technology, a problem can be solved more simply and easily than in the past. Okay. For me, the problem was I, I just wasn't carrying around a physical Bible wherever I went. I was traveling quite a bit for work internationally and across the country, um, developing our products with cross-functional teams that were global. And for me, it was an opportunity to shrink the Bible down to the size of you know, to get it onto my phone or to shrink it down to a USB flash drive that I could plug into any laptop or desktop computer wherever I was. And once I solved my problem, I started to do the research necessary to see how many other people were experiencing the same challenge. And well, it turns out it was thousands of people I think <laughs> in I, schools across the country. I think one of the biggest challenges that most people that use uh, technology that we're talking about is that uh, they either become addicted to it or spend an inordinate amount of time with it, uh, perhaps uh, in the same way that uh, half a generation or a generation ago, people used TV as, as uh, something that just totally occupied their time. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of research going on, and this isn't my, my background in the psychology and sociology of how technology affects, you know, the, the chemicals in our brain and the serotonin reinforcement of the ding that you hear or the vibration that you feel from your device. And, but there is science, um, there is research saying that uh, device addiction and social media addiction is something that we, will, uh, we are starting to define and will be starting to uh, have to treat as a disease, as addictive as many of the other serotonin uh, inducing uh, chemicals that are out there in the world. I would say, you know, let's not, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that virtual relationships are real relationships, right? God wants to know us on a personal level. We can get to know God and who, uh, and, and in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, through technology, through apps, that bring us God's holy word in smaller doses or um, are easily searchable and on a topic that's related to how we're feeling today. But that should just be the, uh, the, the foyer into the, into the mansion. (laughs) That is the relationship with, with our God. It's a great uh, way to get the ball rolling, but we shouldn't trick ourselves that the synthetic source of material is uh, the relationship itself. Um, the device doesn't give us a relationship. Uh, real people having real interaction, sharing real experiences uh, is, is the, the best way to form real lasting relationships. And same way with our 
with our faith. Yes, Mark. And my uh, guest today, for those of you that are just joining us, is Mark Mastriani, who has been on Tech Tuesday on Morning Air on Relevant Radio for a number of years. And I ask him here specifically to talk about some things about, uh, and I think what we're going to talk about is being cautious in the digital realm. Uh, you, we Sometimes we just use this stuff and not really worry about what's going on. Would you care to elaborate a little bit on some of the major issues of uh, lack of caution when using uh, Internet or uh, electronic technology? Sure. It, we're entering this digital realm, and there are we need to be cautious. There's some good reasons to be cautious. As we mentioned a few moments ago, this tool can be used for great good and, unfortunately, can also be used with malicious intent. So how is technology, specifically smart devices and the Internet, being used for malicious intent? And then once we know that, we can start to become a little bit more savvy on how to be cautious about it. There is identity theft that's happening uh, uh, taking our identity and our financial records, specifically when we use uh, banking apps and uh, open up our bank accounts in public areas. And, do, so, and by public area, you mean like a Starbucks, a McDonald's, or maybe even a public yeah. library? You got it. Exactly right. So once we know that people are very curious about our financial lives, we know to be cautious, especially when we're using our financial records. The second area that people are, are really trying to hunt for, uh, it, people are trying to hunt for our personal data, the images of who we are, who's in our family, what their ages and names are. Uh, malicious use can come of our personal information, the, the pictures and ages and names of our children. Once we know that those pieces of data can be used for malicious intent, we can be more cautious about those specific pieces of data. So maybe for it's, me personally, oh, go ahead. Good. No, so maybe uh, that means that we shouldn't post every picture we have on Facebook or Instagram and all the right. things that happen uh, in your there's, lives. There's a spectrum of, of caution, right? Uh, I just share, for me personally, my kids, I have two daughters, nine years old and six years old. Their pictures don't make it to Facebook. We do not, you know, Facebook is a great way of, of communicating to a large group of people in a very uh, quick and easy kind of way. But it's also not uh, private. <laughs> because it's not private, it can be used for a variety of malicious uses. So when, uh, so how do my parents see pictures of their grandkids. Well, we can print them out and send them to them. Or if we're using a little bit of prudence, we would say, you know, an SMS text message phone to phone is much less likely to be hijacked than a post through social media. So that's just a little bit of prudence when it comes to the data uh, found in images and messages. I tend not to use very personal information in any social media. I do use social media like LinkedIn when it comes to yes. making professional contacts and uh, establishing and, and cultivating my professional network. They're, they have great use. It's like a very good tool. However, is it a good tool for sharing personal information about my family, where I live, 
my phone number. You know, you got to use prudence. That's true. Interesting area of uh, that we need to be very prudent in the digital realm is in cyberbullying. It's not just isolated to um, middle school and high school. Uh, When you say personal things about yourself, you are giving the world information that they could potentially turn back around and taunt or bully you with. So when, you know, some really great materials are being published for elementary, middle, and high school students right now in digital citizenship. And I applaud all those organizations who are getting these kind of real-life life skills in the hands of our young people. Digital information about yourself never is deleted. It's always searchable and, and discoverable. And so giving the world a limited amount of information about what you care about, who you are, is prudent, right? Well, it what, minimizes the yes. risk of cyberbullying. What I, what I hear you saying in all of this, Mark, is that there are a lot of predators out there and that with the uh, advent of the World Wide Web, uh, they can be anywhere. And we always have, we have instances of these that come up on the news every now and then where some 13-year-old girl makes an online date with some 35-year-old guy that's a half a country away and he comes and, and uh, does that. I mean, those are the, those are the, the, uh, the uh, extremes. But there are a lot of predators out there that are, are looking for an easy mark. Right. And so, yes, the risks are out there. I want to be, you know, accurate with, you know, statistics say it's a less than 10 to maybe even 5% uh, of the people who are using these tools have a malicious intent, but it's not zero, right? To your point, Gene, we want to give everyone a fair and accurate assessment of the risk. It's greater than zero. So, uh, because it's greater than zero, how what kind of practical things can we suggest to folks out there to give them you know some good belt and suspenders ways of protecting the information uh, their personal information and the information of those who they love? Mark, what are some of the best ways that you know of to protect yourself or your children or grandchildren when you're online? So the very first way is to know that you're information is not private. When you're posting something, again, as we just mentioned a few moments ago, Gene, when we're posting something on social media, uh, communicating through a what we even think is a secure website, we've got to make sure that we're using that digital prudence. And so the first practical thing that we would say, we touched on it a couple moments ago, just use common sense in public places. When you're using a public internet Wi-Fi access point at a coffee shop, at a retail store, at even in schools and libraries and hospitals, avoid sharing or using financial or personal apps in those environments. The risk is greater than zero. It's probably less than 10% likely that you're going to be watched digitally as you're in these environments, but because it's greater than zero, it's a great practical piece of advice to avoid using anything financial or anything personal 
when you're in those arenas. If you need to consume information, reading articles is not dangerous. Uh, watching YouTube videos, except if the content is dangerous, yes. um, is, is not inherently dangerous in these public uh, locations. Wi-Fi is a tool. It's not inherently bad. But just, again, a good uh, use of digital prudence uh, out there in the public is a good uh, thing to do. The second thing would be make sure that your devices have good security protection against malware, spyware, and other viruses. These are buzzwords. Yes, I was going to ask you to explain those for folks. Some of our folks may not know what that means, uh, malware, spyware, and, and, and all of those things. What? Explain that a little bit, Mark. Sure. Malware and spyware and viruses, they, they can all be put under one umbrella, and that's bad tools. <laughs> These are bad tools that people with malicious intent could uh, place a little, it's almost like a spy microphone that someone has put onto your device. Uh, these viruses can get onto your devices through email, opening unfamiliar email, or even opening an email from a familiar family member or friend with a mysterious you know, message to it with a mysterious attachment. Good prudence says if you get a message, either through a text message, email, social media post that has an attachment, don't open those things without having some kind of protection on the device that you're opening it with. Those kinds of protective software are readily available. There's a lot of them out there. We're not here to endorse any one particular uh, product or service, but there's, there's a good selection of protection systems that you can put on your mobile devices as well as your desktop and laptop computers. Now, one, but, that, one that you mentioned ahead. to me that for mobile devices, and we're just going to mention it because uh, it's one that you like for mobile. I think it was called Lookout. And in looking Correct. at that, mm-hmm. it appeared to me that it not only does the antivirus and, and uh, anti-phishing and, and anti-malware and all that stuff coming in through email, but it also, uh, and I haven't done a lot of research on it, it gives you a little bit of the same types of things that, that LifeLock does in that it guarantees that you won't be, uh, your financial information won't be compromised. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's different levels of security. LifeLock and Carbonite are excellent. They are very highly secure. If you are doing a lot of financial transactions through your devices, if you have, if your business is financial, if you're, uh, if you are regularly uh, trading stocks on your mobile and, and uh, laptop devices, you may consider going to those levels of very high security. Uh, the next level of security uh, on your mobile and laptop devices would just be the, the, the software that's readily available. I use AVG on my laptop yes. and I use Lookout on my mobile devices. I don't get any kind of royalties or any kind of, I'm not endorsing any of these products, but it's good to use um, some of the industry recommended and highly rated and regarded uh, safety software for your the devices you're using on a regular basis. Even for simple consumption of, of media, watching TV through your devices, watching Hulu and, and Netflix, 
uh, reading lots of articles on online uh, news and uh, infotainment sites. It's good to have basic level security on every device that you're that you're on. Mm-hmm. And then at the lowest level of security, it's it's the common sense security. Don't go to unfamiliar sites. Don't use um, sites that are well known for having lots of, of security issues. Um, use prudence when you're actually navigating through this digital realm. And Those, I would say, would be my my three levels of digital security as you're living and working and playing through the digital realm. You can have super high security. You can have good, practical, uh, simple security on each of your devices. And I recommend absolutely at least going to that middle level. But always use digital common sense. Uh, Don't download those mysterious attachments. Uh, If you don't know the person, it's probably not a good email. No one, uh, no stranger from Nigeria is trying to give you hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> by giving them your, your, that's a phishing attack. That's the name of that particular kind of malicious <laughs> digital. Because, because uh, there's, they're put, throwing the bait out there and hoping you bite. Exactly. Right. Right. Someone who's asking for your social security number is likely not. Uh, is likely in this 5% of malicious and, intent. And, and I think this is a good Unless point. you're doing a lot of financial transactions. And, and I think it's good at this point, job. too, it's, uh, that uh, your financial institution is not going to send you an email asking you to email your Social Security number or account number to, to you. If, if, if you get something like that, immediately call your financial institution and talk to them face uh, person to person rather than to to do that. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's very worth spending a couple moments on Gene. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. These financial institutions, they are, it's in their best interest to keep your information secure. Once they've, once you've given it to them in a secure fashion, a secure fashion might be giving them your financial, your personal information face to face in a bank branch, (laughs) There are other ways to be safe when you're on your home network. The network within your own home is less likely to be attacked or hacked than one of these public access uh, points of Wi-Fi. So in the corner of your screen, if you're on an Internet browser, Chrome, Firefox, Internet Explorer, any of your favorite browsers, and you're working with a financial institution, you want to make sure that you see in the corner of your screen, there's a little lock symbol. Now, without getting into a lot of uh, detail here, that's an encryption that shows that not only are you using a good secure network when you're at home or at their bank branch, but it's also encrypted. What does encryption mean? The basic definition of encryption is taking your information, chopping it up into a jigsaw puzzle, shooting the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle in various packets uh, to the bank. And then the bank can put together the jigsaw puzzle back together again, because they have the key. They know uh, their software on their side can put the the puzzle back together again. The lock in the corner of your screen is something you really want to make sure you're watching. Another thing, uh, and sometimes it's in the bottom right corner, and sometimes it's right next to the web address itself, in the very top of your browser, 
if you see a little lock with HTTPS, S usually means secure. Uh, not always, but it's a good rule of thumb that it tends to be on a secure encrypted server. These are good uh, security measures that these companies are already putting in place. So you can feel confident that these transactions are secure. Their app, if you're using their app on your mobile device, your tablet, or your smartphone, the app itself is also uh, a method of encryption between your device and their network. Again, it's always prudent to use these apps as well as websites on a network you know to be uh, secure, like your home network or at the bank branch <laughs> or using uh, good prudence, like looking for this lock symbol on your browser page. Another thing that I think, uh, and maybe you were planning to mention this, but it occurred to me as we were talking that uh, we get a lot of pop-ups uh, when we're browsing. And some of those, if you click on them, you're going to be doing the same type of thing as if you open an, uh, a bad email. And uh, that there are opportunities in most browsers to reduce the number of pop-ups and things that come out. There's a way to secure your browser and uh, to to minimize the number of pop-ups and things that come. Uh, do you, yeah. you make any There's comments actually some that? good YouTube videos on how to use the, in the upper right corner of all browsers, Explorer, Chrome, uh, Apple uses Safari, uh, Firefox is a really good one. In the upper right corner, there's usually three horizontal bars or a menu icon of some sort. It's worth your while, again, using good digital prudence to go one level deeper and to understand the security settings. And you can edit your settings at any time, if you need to, if you trust a certain website, if you're at home, if the pop-ups are a really good offer from a company that you order from on a regular basis, you may want to adjust your settings to allow for pop-ups when you're at home. But in every browser, mobile or desktop, you have the ability to change your account settings and security settings. We don't have enough time to go through every single browser oh, yes. security settings here, but uh, go to YouTube and, and search for the type of browser you have, security settings, and you'll find 5, 10, or 15-minute overviews of, for each browser on how to adjust the pop-up cookies and security settings for, for your internet browsers. And that's uh, and you know we I, I laughingly talked to you that perhaps if somebody's listening that is saying is getting a little scared I would say uh, and they say well I don't know any of this stuff that you just get your sixteen year old grandson to come and do all this for you but make sure that he does it in a way that you can still get into your system. <laughs> that's right. You know uh, this digital realm is is natural for our young kids right now. They're growing up with smaller and smaller screens. They're growing up in a world that's not the four basic networks on the TV. They're growing up in more streaming and the access to information is so ubiquitous that um, each individual is crafting their own consumption model. It's, it's a very interesting time to see what our kids right now, Generation Z or iGen, they call our current kids that are coming through elementary school, 
they're going to be defining you know consumption of digital content for the next 60 years <laughs> and it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what's around the corner when you look at the acceleration of technology adoption you see that each new technology is being adopted adopted to the level of 100 million users per day <laughs> in the in this in uh, when you talk about Facebook and YouTube, uh, the new pace of adoption is accelerating. There's another great YouTube video out there. It's five minutes in length. It's called Did You Know? And Did You Know gets updated on a regular basis by by the community, by the collective internet digital world. You know, the TV, it took uh, almost 10 years to hit a million, 100 million users uh, the radio took longer than that, uh, but the internet took less than 10 years to hit 100 million users. And then each of these sub-platforms within the internet has taken less than a couple of years to hit 100 million use adoption. And as we continue to fragment, it's going to be very interesting to see you know, what's the next big consumption of, of digital content. It's going to be very fun to watch these next... 10 to 15 years. Mark, I'd like to uh, change gears just a little bit here. Uh, St. Isidore of Seville is the patron of the Internet. And if you look at his life story, he basically was the Wikipedia of his day that he cataloged mm -hmm. and, and wrote all the knowledge that was available at that time. And that was uh, when the Visigoths were in invading uh, Spain. And there's a prayer that you can find on the Internet to St. Isidore for when you sit down, and it's taped to the keyboard of my uh, computer at home. So with that in mind, tell let's talk a little bit about some of the, the better tools that are available for Catholics uh, when they're on the Internet like I, or on their system, because I, I use a couple of uh, Bible software pieces, which you talked about the problem of not being able to, to get your Bible and all that stuff with you. I've, I've got more on my phone than I used to have in a closet full of books. <laughs> so true. Yeah, to think about it, uh, to think about St. Isidore taking 25 years of his life to amass 20 volumes of the, all the known knowledge of his time and writing it in the best, most widely adopted language of, of the 600s <laughs> uh, is just phenomenal. When we have access to Wikipedia on any device at the click of a mouse, so some other really solid and uh, excellent resources would be, you know, for our kids, Covenant Eyes is one. Again, no endorsements here, no, no, pay, no paid commercials here. This is just good practical stuff that we like because it works. Uh, Covenant Eyes is a way to monitor our kids' use of technology. We can do this. All of our devices actually have a way to set restrictions on them uh, on the device itself. Every iPad, every Android tablet, you can set the restrictions to limit or prohibit access to the internet, limit or prohibit downloading of apps, limit or prohibit uh, use time of these screens. So I highly recommend going to the device itself and seeing what the restrictions capabilities are for the device. But going a step further, looking across an entire person who may be consuming content across multiple screens. Covenant Eyes is very good. Uh, there's a couple other excellent ones. 
that we can bring uh, to everyone's attention. But Covenant Eyes is a way of looking at the user holistically from all of their screens. Yes. Checking out what sites they're visiting, for how long, um, monitoring, limiting, or prohibiting sites uh, is in the hands, is in the control of the parent and, uh, or the res- responsible guardian. What, uh, what, with Covenant Eyes, I, I am an accountability partner for somebody with Covenant Eyes, and he knows how to get around it. I mean, so it's not perfect, but it, it's better than right. nothing, but it's not perfect. And so, right, belt and suspenders. As we mentioned, there's there's these levels of security. We we can't put all of our trust in one tool uh, because our devices and our use of the internet is so fragmented across multiple devices and multiple uh, sites. So uh, that's a very very good point for digital prudence. Is you know, let's not put all of our trust in one security or risk mitigation. Let's have a few uh, to share the risk. <laughs> in order to be the most safe. Mark, we're about to run out of time. I would, uh, again, for those of you who are just joining us, Mark Mastriani has been my guest, and he's been on uh, the, the Tech Tuesday on Morning Air on Relevant Radio for a number of years. Mark, would you like to maybe summarize or, or give us one good salient point that we need to understand from this whole conversation and maybe tell folks uh, one place where they could go to find some of the information for themselves. Sure. I would just to wrap it all up, Gene, I would say, you know, digital prudence is always wise. Uh, God gave us the ability. He shared his creative ability with us, right? These tools that have been created more than 90% of their use is for good. Let's bring about the kingdom of God through use of technology. I I applaud all men and women of good faith. Use technology. Be aware of of its uh, benefits. Go out there and bring about the kingdom. Use it for charitable purposes. Use it to reach out to those in need. And also be aware that the risk is more than zero, that people are out there to grab your either financial or personal data in ways that they can utilize for their personal gain. Or take because advantage of your children. More than zero. Yeah. Or take uh, advantage of your children, Mark. Your device and say that prayer to St. Isidore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark, I thank you so much for being my guest today, uh, and I pray that you have a wonderful 2019, you and your family, and I appreciate the time you've given us. If you'll stay on the line for just a minute, uh, we will, uh, I want to have a a little bit more of a conversation with you when we finish. And again, as I say always, when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. Since you